philosophically, Zuckerberg is going to be giving your friends and family more prominence in your feet. Yeah, which is actually a win. It's the end of the well, world. Well, I don't know if it's a win because all you're going to see is the news your friends and family share. Yeah, who wants that? Once again, we find that my Facebook strategy from two years is still relevant and laziness wins again. <laughs> Hello, world. Welcome to the Church Mag Podcast, the official podcast of Church Mag, the number one resource for church tech, with your hosts, Eric Dye, Jeremy Smith, and Phil Schneider. So, Phil, tell us who made this podcast possible. Thanks, Larry. This podcast is brought to you by The Social Christian, a theological exploration of social media. A new book from Church Mag Press by me, Phil Schneider. That's right, folks. I can string words together occasionally. This new ebook will take you through uh, some theological premises and, and ideas around how we use social media, how we shouldn't use social media, and how we could possibly redeem social media for the glory of God. You can pick up a copy of this book from Church Mag Press. Thank you, Phil. Now, let the fun begin. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast. Eric Dye here along with Jeremy Smith and Phil Schneider. This is um, this is a t- what I like to call a time machine episode. We're late. Whereby, yeah, we're late. Because that's the thing about time machines is when you're late, you're early. When you're early, you're late. It's it's a whole... Uh, Timey-wimey kind of thing. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Took the words out of my like mouth. I'm reading your thoughts. I know, because you've already been here. Wait, what? So what happened is, is we recorded the Welcome Back podcast of Phil. Right? But... Yet, this thing happened with Facebook, and we want to talk about it. But it doesn't make any sense if we're going to have the Phil's Back episode. See? It gets confusing. So, we realize that we're probably a little bit late to the conversation. Uh, but we definitely feel like talking about it, and we definitely have some opinions and thoughts about it. The way I see it is Phil's more valuable than Absolutely. Facebook. Absolutely. And, you know, Zuckerberg would agree with that analysis. That's, that's- <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, actually, that's not true at all. Phil, you're at least $23 billion in my heart. Yep. That's true. True story. That's 46 nets. That's price price inflation. (laughs) I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, so here's the deal. Facebook changed their thing. They changed their thing whereby Zuckerberg, I don't know. Would someone else that knows it better than me explain it? I mean, long long story short, the Zuckerberg. Um, I, I feel like Zuckerberg's been on a three year quest to become president, like he or leader of the free world or you know, leader of the entire world. However you want to rephrase it. Um, and so, in his ne- latest move of of over the top altruism, he is changing Facebook to where you see more and more from your friends and family things that they've engaged with than you will from actual pages you've interacted with. So you know, most people don't like to go to like family reunions and stuff. So like, how is this a good move? I'm just saying. Well, you really want to see your friends. And well, there's a lot of layers to this, but basically, he's, <laughs> he's, he says he knows that this will reduce people's time on Facebook because they won't they'll see it. it there won't be it won't be a mindless speed to scroll through for hours, you know. Like you might get off work at the end of the day. I don't go. I'm not on Facebook usually at work, so when I get home. There's hours of content to go through. That won't necessarily be the case anymore. The news feed will be more, um, more or less reserved for personal interactions than for uh, companies and brands to go get in contact with you. 
Um, he thinks that this will lead to more valuable uh, time spent on Facebook, but perhaps less time overall. But see, it, during, during the presidency and stuff like that, that's exactly who I didn't, during the elections and stuff, that's exactly who I didn't want to hear from, usually, were friends and family going on and on about the election. Well, that's, and that's, a, and that's, a, that's the side thing. So he's, one, supposing that people on Facebook and your friends group are people you actually want to be in contact with. They're not people you feel pressured to, to add. Wow. You know? I have to prove my list. No offense, Uncle Bob. <laughs> well, like, there are people like, for example, I mean, I'm a pastor, so people in my church and they add me. I I let them add me, you know, and I've had to on numerous occasions hide those people because they are just the worst. But there's another leg going on, and it's even been talked um, in in church tech circles and business marketing circles and whatnot. Jeremy, you've you've you kind of have a pulse on on what's being talked about. Yeah, so there's a couple of different things. First of all, I feel like when it was first announced and it was hot off the presses and everybody had to give their first take, it was, oh my goodness, this is going to completely disrupt how we're doing it. And then you had to think about the best ways to work within the new algorithm. And then it was like five things that you need to be doing now to make sure that you get all your traffic back and not lose it. And then once the dust settled a little bit, I think a lot of the more calmer voices were coming into play and saying, um, you need to keep doing what you're doing if you're doing it right. And if it's about the story, if it's about creating a conversation, if it's about sharing Jesus with people and not necessarily trying to get the most engagement and reach for your, all your marketing announcements and trying to make sure that your entire Facebook is, hey, come look at me, hey, come look at me, then um, you're probably going to be just fine. And it probably meant that beforehand you weren't getting like maximum capacity on all the single of your posts but it probably means that you've been building a community slowly but surely over time and right. right. So if, if you've been doing this thing organically, if you've been building a community, if you've been building relationships, if you've been doing it the way, uh, it, a perspective that we're, a, a, a blah, blah, blah. if you've been doing it the way we have said to do it for many years now, that we've always been a proponent of doing, of being real, of, of being yourself, of not trying to be everywhere and everything. And like you said, look at me, look at me. Uh, if you've been following those, those ticks the whole way, then this change up really isn't anything. If anything, it, it may help you, um, in that sense. Um, because the whole idea is to push more organic and more real things forward. Um, now if you've been playing the game and you've been throwing down bucks and you've been listening to the gurus, I'm sorry for you. Not, well, I mean, sorry, not sorry. Well, we think about this. Okay. So the idea here is that um, this move is going to give more value to your Facebook feed and let you see things, more of the things you want to see, right? But some people have begun to use Facebook essentially as a as very you know, simple, easy to use RSS feed. They like pages and stuff, so the content comes to their Facebook accounts. Um, friends and family, like for, for I, I got on Facebook originally for you know my my friends and family for that kind of thing, and more and more I realized there's a reason why those people aren't in my life anymore. And, <laughs> you know, well, yeah, and that's just it. Is, is I wonder sometimes, kind of, I wonder if there's like something else going on. I, I can't help but wonder that because the whole the whole model is really based on the fact that humans are going to behave nicely. Historically speaking, humans are don't behave nicely. So. In some ways, this feels somewhat like a train wreck. Mm. Maybe not. What do you guys think? Well, I, I just think that 
there could be unintended consequences for these kind of changes. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I mean, I don't, you said, do you say train wreck was that your phrase you use? Yes. Yeah. Train wreck. Yeah. I think, I think it could be. <sighs> and, and, and also like you've pointed, you've talked about this before, Phil, the bubble effect and the effect that it's had on society, how it's made, it has made our culture more divided than ever before. A, a tool that was supposed to, you know, be like cross pollination of ideas and knowledge has actually made everyone really really closed off from each other is that going to perpetuate that even faster yes i think so i think so okay i'm gonna i don't want to get political but let's just say you are a big reader of, of cnn well then maybe you should well, i'm gonna try to go both sides okay <laughs> let's say you're a big reader of cnn right and you follow cnn so you get cnn updates in your facebook feed and that's gone right your friends are probably off cnn readers anyway so if, if someone's on cnn sees it, they can still share it Right. I assume that's going to still get because it's, it's it's about they're going to um, that, uh, put greater emphasis on items in your news feed, <clears throat> in your news feed that your friends and family have interacted upon. OK, so if your friends and family are engaging on a particular story, you're going to see that story topping. Is it just the act of sharing, though, or is it then commenting? Well, engagement. Yeah. So commenting. So if someone shares a hot take, you know, what I'm saying like some out, you know, poop hole countries or whatever, you know, people are going to start commenting on it. Okay. And if similarly, if your family, if you're a big Fox news fan, your families probably are, are it's more likely the people on your social media accounts and your, your, your platforms are like-minded, not always, but it's, it's likely. So you're going to see those stories still anyway. So I don't think it's going to cut out anything except if you liked. So for example, I, I read a liberal and conservative news site every day. Um, <gasps> I know, right? Whoa, well, whoa, whoa. Like, by liberal, you read I mean, the news? Well, by liberal, I mean, <laughs> and by liberal, I mean CNN, which is just just a little bit left of center, okay? Um, and then I read some uh, some super conservative stuff to kind of get the, the exact opposite, you know? If I had used Facebook for those to do that for me, that's now gone. Now, I know most people aren't, aren't, aren't that conscious about their news consumption, so that's not an issue. But... I'm afraid that this gives too much credence to our friends and family who, let's face it, may not be any more intelligent or well-read than we are. Um, if, so it, that's, it, that's if social media is for for learning. If social media is just for engagement, then that's fine. But the, 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 but the problem is, I actually get into this a little bit, or ra- rather, um, gosh, who wrote that book? I'm going to say it's Keen. Um, oh, I thought you were going to talk about um, your book. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, my book's important, too. Buy my book, please. But uh, what's that guy's name? Andrew something or other. Um, the Internet is Not the Answer. It was a book I read early, um, early last year or in 2016. Um, and it talks about how that these Internet companies and social media, yeah, Andrew Keen, I was right, boom. These people were talking about how, like, you know, the Internet is going to be this great democratizing force and it's going to bring education and enlightenment to the world. If you cut out professional publishers, you're cutting out the educating force. Because my, because fr- most of my, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to try to be a jerk about it, but when it comes to like foreign policy and kind of stuff, the majority of people in my Facebook feed know far less than I do. So I'm not going to learn from them and they're going to ignore me. So I guess maybe a bigger question. I mean, okay, there's big, there's been big changes. Okay. So, you know, you had those that freaked out, those that didn't. I still stand by the idea that if you're using Facebook for your church, your ministry, whatever, um, you're going to be fine if you're using social media the way it ought to be used, right? Um, but I'm wondering if there's there's possibly another layer to this that we could talk about or even think about as Christians, right? Two things. Number one, maybe not as Christians, just like whatever. Number one, Facebook is not here to stay, right? 
you're not going to learn Facebook today and be successful and use that same that same tactic and be successful tomorrow. It's ever changing. Like if your business, if your ministry, if anything that you're doing pivots on Facebook making and breaking, then you're going to lose. Because Facebook controls Facebook. Facebook is going to make, will make, can make radical changes. Facebook will not be around here forever. I've, I, I've thought that for a very long time. To me, they are going to be another AOL where one day we're going to sit around and go, hey, remember that, right? Because it will have evolved and changed and become something completely different. That's, that's my humble opinion, okay, about that. But the, the thing that, as Christians, I think that we need to think about is the effects of Facebook on our culture, our society, and ourselves. That we shouldn't just blindly just open that thing up and just consume like like lab rats, right? Let's let's think about what we're doing and how we're using it and how we're letting it affect our lives. I, I absolutely agree. And I think to the AOL comparison, Facebook, by cutting out pub, or reducing the value of publishers and outside forces, they're basically turning themselves into the walled garden of fa- that, that, that the AOL was. You know, like we, the more platforms close, like when you open yourself up to the internet, you open yourself up to the chaos. When you close it off, you might bring some more order to your platform, but you also kind of close off the, the, the viral nature and the seamlessness the internet had. I'm going to disagree. And I'm going to actually mean, I disagree when I say that instead of just pushing back for the sake of it. I, Oh, so this is, this is not a fun disagree. This is a serious disagree. This is not, this is not a try to make conversation. Oh my gosh. I'm scared now. So I actually am all for this decision, even though it's going to cost Facebook so much money that I would never, I can't even imagine what it is. Were you under the impression that we were against it? Cause I, I mean, I'm really, really not for or against it. I actually think it's interesting and curious. I think it's kind of cool because I'm actually for I don't it. know. I'd probably because I don't have any horses in the show in the race, so to so to speak. But what's so where's the pushback? For me, Come on, I, I'm always looking for how this value is valuable to me, and looking at the social media of what is out there. Um, Google Plus has more value to me than Twitter. That's saying something because I don't actually see much value in Google Plus anymore. Um, but do you think that? Do you think it has value? Here's a here, this. This is a theory I have, Jeremy. Does it have more value because it's a smaller pool of people? Google Plus. Yeah. No. I mean, can we underestimate the 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 um, tighter niche, the the greater niche? No. Not anymore. That's how it was, but not anymore. Um, I, I value it more because I could post something and get more clicks from the hundred people that I interact with on Google plus than I do on the thousands of people with Twitter. Um, and this is not just me saying this, this is like so many different people, professionals or not with Twitter. I'm, I'm to the point as far as Twitter is concerned that they are more worried about their value to anybody for themselves um, that it's lost all value completely. And I, I'm at the point where um, I made a new year's resolution to do the Bob Goff thing and quit um, at least one thing every two weeks. And so I'm actually going to be canceling my Twitter handle next week. No reason to stay on it. If you want to go get Gumby Station, by all means, it's going to be available to you guys if you want to use it by this weekend. You're going to, whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to just delete that as possible. I'm, I'm there is no reason for me to be on Twitter anymore. Wow. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting because, Jeremy, just this past week, I was working with a client and they part of their work order was to remove the Google Plus button because it was completely irrelevant. And I would pretty much agree. I think that there's a little bit of value in like search results and stuff. So there you churches should still have it, but Facebook is actually becoming more social. And I was, I was so sick of Facebook for a long time because of their new stuff. And then they started doing some more integrative stuff with groups. And I was like, okay, this is starting to add a little bit of value to life. I'm actually connecting with people now. Um, I don't think I connected with anybody on Twitter in the last, um, Three months. I actually haven't posted non-spammy type posts for the last year. Um, when I was on Bill's podcast two years ago, I said, I feel like Twitter's done. And that was like my last desire to ever really post on there anymore. Everything I posted has come from Instagram, cross posts, or just straight from some other third-party platform. Well, even ChurchMag has seen a shift. When, when you look at uh, seven years ago, most of the most of the engagement was on Twitter, and over the over the course of that seven years, we have seen a complete shift where there's a lot more engagement on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And you Twitter. know what? Facebook might lose value in the SEO or the click through rates, but for me as a person connecting with others, it's about community. I feel yeah. like that community. is huge for me, and that's what Zuckerberg says in his yeah. post in the end of closing. But my my concern, okay, is that is that whole idea of the bubble. Is that we're going to we're going to pull out any any this is so in my I'm sorry guys the paternity leaves catch up with me a little bit here so in my teacher training we had to learn three different um, philosophies of education or whatever they're called I don't even know what they're called learner models I can't remember now but it was behavioralism uh, cognitive cognitivism and constructionism I'm sure Jeremy's heard of these two because they're actually they overlap with schools of psychology mm-hmm. um, so behaviorists just care about what you do. And 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 Jeremy's going to correct me here in a minute, but in the, in the short term, they just care about what you do. They don't care about how you get there, how you arrive at the decision. They just care about the results. Like like uh, B.F. Skinner is a behaviorist. Jo- uh, James Dobson's a behavioralist. Essentially, they as just long want, as it fits within your worldview. Yes. Yeah. Right. So you know, going uh, out murdering people so that you make lots. No. Of money. Right. Right. But but the, but they don't they don't pro- they don't want to process how, they don't they don't care about the mitigating circumstances. They just care that you did it. Right. In the end, right. It's very effective. Yes. So um, I'm actually a behavioralist as a counselor. Okay, good for you. I don't know about that kind of behavior. Basically, behavioralists <laughs> look at the brain as a black box. They don't care what goes on inside. They don't care about what comes out. The cognitivist, which is where I probably land, um, wants to understand the process within the black box to produce the result. Okay. The constructivist, this is where I think Facebook's heading towards. Um, and this is how they apply to the teachers. In constructivism, you construct your own meaning, your own goals, your own outcomes, and then you pursue those by your own methods. So there's no, there's no desired outcome per se, other than what you desire yourself. There's no standard bridge to measure the outcome other than what you use to measure yourself. It's essentially, it's some sort of weird relativistic anarchy and the teacher becomes a facilitator not an instructor okay and i'm afraid that that facebook is kind of doing the same thing we're going to pull out the adult voices and let the kids play the by themselves and they should do just fine on their own but isn't that how facebook became famous in the first place was that very reason 
No, Facebook became famous because it was the first platform for for long distance interaction that was stable and evolved with technology. MySpace wasn't evolving with technology. That's why it but, it, but it was at that time very constructivist. The constructivist I can't even say the yeah, word. No, at the time Facebook was really more of just a communication platform. There was no the idea of sharing things on Facebook hadn't really that that structure of the internet, which is where constructivism comes into into, into the public square kind of thing hadn't hadn't occurred. Facebook it hadn't still, it hadn't formally been announced but i can guarantee that it, the the algorithms and the experts oh, yes yeah totally there year um, before we even hinted at really here's 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 how i'm being this is me being behavioralist okay it wasn't being used that way it was being like in the early days it wasn't being manipulated sure no yeah. I, would, I would argue that in the early days of facebook i would say Probably up until the election in 2008, Facebook was still just the a communication platform um, for people to communicate with their friends and family on a one-to-one basis or like to announce large-scale events in their lives. Right. By 2008, the shift began to occur where Facebook became a place to reach mass groups of people. And that's when the shift – like uh, the, the President Obama's um, campaign did a great job at using social media, Twitter, and then Facebook as well. And I think that's where the shift began to occur. And now we've got a place where Facebook is primarily a public square and less about interacting with your friends. That's a mes- messenger, messenger, Snapchat. That's for contacting people individually. Face, well, unless you're an old person, you don't know how to use those things. You post on their walls. Um, right. I don't like only older people I ever see them post on people's walls. It's just my, like my grandma's age people who can't figure out how to use messenger. Um, but that's, that's to me, that's where Facebook shop Facebook shunted off the person to person stuff into a separate app so that Facebook itself could remain the public square. And that's what that's like the family and friends posts you see, it won't be my friend, Jeremy posting about his, his new drone it'll be uh jeremy posting a hot take on something and all, and all my friends all jeremy has mutual friends c- comment on it and i see that i'm seeing the, the public square stuff still the engagement stuff and that's where i'm fearful because i'm gonna see these hot button issues only through the filter of my friends that's how it's being consumed now but i don't think that that's where facebook is intending to be i think that there's a learning curve that's still happening in that process that and that's my point this is i think that's going to be an unintended consequence and i'm not so sure they're going to react fast enough they didn't they didn't react to the russian hacking and it's it's factually it happened they're not hacking the, the russian the foreign influence and let's not be, let's not kid ourselves we've done the same thing in other countries as well but it literally happened and they didn't react to it I, I mean, listening to some of the testimony from the, from Congress, I just love the fact that, well, we got paid in rubles on a few of these ad campaigns, and we couldn't figure out why, so we just let it roll. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that is the key, the unintended consequence. And I, th- I think ultimately, you know, that as believers, we need to keep in mind, you know, to understand that there may be unintended consequences with these things, and we should be mindful and stay focused on the mission. Stay focused on the gospel and what we need to be doing. And if we're going to use Facebook as a tool to reach others or to communicate with others or to to show love and patience and kindness and these kind of things, then that's great. But we do need to be careful and understand that this isn't a neutral tool that we're using. This isn't just some free thing that somebody cooked up for your benefit, right? What, what, what is that saying? You know, if if it's free, you are the product or if it's free and there's, yeah. Yeah. So you're the product. And if you're the product, you know, 
It's something to think about. It's the unintended consequence we need to be mindful of. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying we need to get out the tin foil. I'm not saying that you, you need to cancel accounts on any social media platform. I'm just saying that this, to me, is a, a another reminder, another mile marker on this highway of new technology to remind us that there may be or there is going to be unintended consequences and we should just be mindful and make sure that we stay the course and stay focused on what is most important to us as believers. It's a term I use in my book, which is on churchmag.press. Um, the term is the term is prosumer. Okay. And I didn't make it up. I just, I've, um, I've, I've used it in the book, but uh, a prosumer is someone who is both the producer of content and the consumer of content. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they leverage us as prosumers. They, they leverage us as the producers of the content that they, they, they're basically giving to others. And then we are the consumer of content produced by others for us. So it's just weird symbiotic thing where you know the three of us guys are producing content right um on on social media and we get no money for it but the social media companies do through ad revenue so i'm watching an ad in order to see eric's content you know on on facebook i'm scrolling through an ad or jeremy i'm seeing an ad on youtube in order to see your videos uh i, I am paying my viewing makes money for YouTube and Facebook. You get no money out of it unless you reach that insane you know, view marker. Burn you get no money. Thank you. Say again. Burn two dollars. Thank you. Two dollars. There you go. You know, you you get no money out of it, and I'll, I get your content. Right. You get the the I guess the psychological you know payment of someone seeing your view count go up. That's about it. Like today, I was actually talking to a former student of mine at the hardware store. He works there. He made a Snapchat filter. Um, for our school, so the kids in our school can download the Snapchat and search for his filter, and he he made a filter for Snapchat. Um, I didn't know he did that, which is kind of cool. But you know, he gets no money off that, but it it adds value to Snapchat for people in my town. Yeah, it it, it it's all very interesting. And as far as value goes, I also find it interesting that I enjoy Twitter and those that I interact with on Twitter. And I get greater value out of Twitter than Facebook because of who I interact with and who I have interaction with. In the group and the circles that I am with, the Twitter circles have more value to me than those that are on Facebook. Whenever I engage on Facebook, I have so much negativity and I always regret it. Whereas with Twitter, I have fun, I interact with others, and it's positive. So here Jeremy and I um, have a lot of common things about us, a lot of commonalities between us, interests and, and these type of things, right? But... We approach both of those platforms and have had completely different uh, takeaways from our interactions and what we do on those. So th- that's a, that's an interesting thing as well. Um, and I, I guess I guess ultimately, you know, if you if you're a, a church media social media person, or you're a church secretary or pastor, or you're in charge of your your church's social media, um, don't freak out. Don't worry. You know, this this is no thing. This is nothing to panic about. These are things to think about. I believe. But um, I had a pastor email me about. Uh, a question regarding what they should do regarding technology. And I just, it hit me once again, you have to go where your people are at. You have to go where your people are at. If your people are on Twitter, go on Twitter. If it's on Facebook, go on Facebook. I mean, unintended consequences or not, do you think, guys? Well, I'll stand by. I've said it too many times. Uh, The only people that can take down Facebook is Facebook. 
And they, I don't think that they're doing it yet, but I think that they yeah. are on their so way. So be, be careful, I guess, where you lay your foundations is what you're saying. Yeah. Your, your, your use in Facebook should not be your end goal. It can be a tool for another end goal <laughs> somewhere else that you own. I mean, remember the medium? I mean, you can just go, you can look at the mile markers, people. You see it again and again, like everyone go to medium, everyone go to medium. Hey, do you guys remember Ghost? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to beat WordPress? Yes, I do. Ghost. Mm-hmm. Where's Ghost? I don't know. Somewhere. It certainly didn't do what they thought it would. Even Medium finally hit that. We want to make publishing this and that. And eventually they said, oh, <laughs> we have to pay the bills. <laughs> I think it's fine. So. Hey, if you guys want to read more about this or look more about this, you can go to Church Mag. Um, and uh, the top post on, on today, January 16th, is uh, how the new Facebook feed, uh, Facebook news feed will affect church pages from by Ben Smith. I'm going to check that article out. I think, I think the final point here is this. Facebook is constantly changing. If you type in uh, Facebook cover photo dimensions, it'll say 2018, 17, 16. They're constantly Wait, changing. Remember, remember so, they would change the layout every six oh months gosh. and then people would have the petition to bring them yes. back? Well, because you, cause some things you'd have to, you'd have, you'd have like, remember MySpace had both would write their own profile stuff and with CSS and whatnot. Facebook's not, Facebook's not that bad, but it is tr- frustrating because you'd have to measure, you'd create your, Cover photos with a certain like amount of you know um, you'd align your text and stuff in a certain particular place. So the photo in there, right? It's just oh so terrible, and it just you constantly have to redo it because Facebook keeps just you know poking around, making it better. Yeah, they they uh, that's amazing. Send us an email, subscribe, and search for previous episodes of the Church Mag Podcast by visiting Church Mag Online. You'll find a link on our main menu. Go to churchm.ag. That's Church Mag. And while you're visiting Church Mag, send us a message. And be sure to subscribe to the Church Mag Podcast so you can receive an early release of the new show every Friday. We don't do that for just anyone. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. Yeah, the, the, the strategy of just being real still wins. That was my take. I mean, if you want to look at it that way, too. The people that need to be worried about it are people that try to manipulate the system.